I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk in is starting to rhyme. I'm letting go lonely, letting go of strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful the Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I am a philosopher, pastor, and writer in Greeley, Colorado. And with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. So my wife told me uh, just yesterday as she was listening through our five deep dive okay. that one of her favorite parts of our podcast is you saying, hello, because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's a familiarity okay. that allows her to just mentally engage. So yeah. well done there. Excellent. Thanks. We that are, was a conscious choice to do it the same every time. Right? I don't know why I chose that, but I did intentionally <laughs> choose it. So. So this will work. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, another <laughs> intentional choice is asking you a silly question to get things moving. Sure. And today, since we are wrapping up our Jurassic Park deep dive... Uh, we need to talk about one Steven Spielberg. Okay, great. You got a favorite Steven Spielberg film? No, because so much of his stuff is so good. Even the bad stuff is really, really good. It is. Like, exactly have you right. seen AI? I didn't see AI. I it's haven't... terrible, and it's so good. <laughs> it still holds up. <laughs> it's so good, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's nuts. I can't watch E.T. again. I want to sure. like E.T., mm -hmm. but that's the one where it was so big when it first was released. I remember seeing E.T. in the theater, and I remember being so emotionally moved by it. And now uh -huh. I go back to it, I'm like, man, I don't think I can go here. Uh, well, it's like we've done so much other stuff with Aliens really, really well since then. Ooh. It's yeah. like It's hard to go back to that. Wait, that will invite a second question. Maybe we should talk about your favorite alien. <laughs> okay. E.T., e is E.T. on the top top five best aliens? Uh, I guess it depends on who you ask. Like, what genre are you talking about? Yeah, that might be it. The yeah. first two aliens that came to my mind in terms of my favorite aliens were Predator and Chewbacca. Two very different aliens. <laughs> yep. And yet. Yep. Yeah, sure. Superman. Mac and me. No, is that good? That was one of my favorite aliens. Like that that movie was it was it was like a it, almost like a competitor to ET, yeah. but it's a whole family and like it's it's weird and like it was a it was around the same I feel like it was around the same time, but eh. yeah. I'm a big fan of Amistad and I watch Lincoln maybe every 3 months. Sure. I, I Lincoln's like one of the most rewatchable movies for me when I'm just in a bad mood and I'm like I just want some hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I get that. Amistad. Amistad's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, hey, we're going to jump yeah. into the end of Jurassic Park. Sweet. And we left off 
with Dennis Nedry pushing the execute button and and setting the monsters free. Dummy. So dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> the movie cuts back to uh, Grant and Malcolm who are uh, driving in the dark. It's raining. Everyone's in their car. Grant says, "Got any kids?" He's making small talk. Me? Oh, oh, hell yeah, three. I love kids. Anything at all can and does happen. Same with wives, for that matter. You married? Occasionally. Yeah, I'm. I'm always on the lookout for a future ex, Mrs. Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is something here. Three and. Well, we're we're typing Grant now as a nine on mm-hmm. that one edge. This was the judgmental side of Grant. Not that nines okay. can't be judgmental, sure. but. I can see the three coming out and Malcolm, it's like, I've got these kids, I've got all these wives. It's uh-huh. and he's spinning it in a way that grants yep. him the attention. Yep. But Grant becomes real judgmental in his facial expressions and the rest. You got thoughts on on this uh I don't think we've talked about these two guys in conversation. Sure. Well I think that like the the thing that stands out to me at the beginning of this scene is that that Grant is like He's just trying to make conversation because it's the polite thing to do Ooh, uh-huh. and they're stuck together. Yep. Like it's, he doesn't really, he clearly doesn't care about this guy or this guy's answers. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, well, what, what are we talking about? You got any kids? I guess. Yeah. I, I took it as, and I'm trying to remember this now, but it felt like, well, he's going to ask about Sadler here in a while. Mm-hmm. And so he's already established this is my character with women. Yeah. And this is the first time it's later, but uh, Grant will get defensive when uh, Malcolm starts asking about about his woman. <laughs> right. So um, this scene cuts to Dennis Nedry uh, stealing the embryos, putting them in the Barbasol can. Fool. The fool. Cuts, uh. cuts to Arnold. He's staring at the terminal. And then everything starts blinking. And it starts going off, and Hammond comes up behind him, and so does Muldoon. And all the security systems are shutting down. And Arnold is sitting there with his cigarette in hand. Now, I heard a theory. He basically has a cigarette in his mouth the entire time. (laughs) So I heard a theory about this. Yeah. The guy with the cigarette always dies. Okay. Is always going to get eaten by the monsters. Now, I don't know if you know any smokers, but I was curious what you thought about this. (laughs) Sure. Um, I've never heard that theory before, so I don't really have any thoughts about it. He becomes, there's a scene where it's coming up, but he seems like the red shirt where it's just like, you need somebody you kind of care about to eat it. Right. (laughs) Right. But maybe you don't know his full name. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) He's, he's just Arnold. Uh, cuts back to Grant and Malcolm who are in the car. Um, and that's when Malcolm says, By the way, Dr. Sattler, um, she's not, like, available, is she? Why? Yeah, I'm sorry. You two are, uh, yeah. And he starts to, to engage that part, and that's when the car stops. Um, lights go out. Grant puts his hand back. Hey, what'd I touch? It's the same as the computer in the first scene when right. you meet him. It's like, it's right. all tech, right? Yeah, he puts his hand on the computer and the computer stops working. So, like, he assumes that he broke the car. That was the one-ish thing that I 
that was going to be my argument if we made a further argument. But it's sure. this. This is clearly my fault. I broke this. Oh, sure. Yeah, but we'll set that aside for a moment. But anything, anything on that uh, interaction about Sadler between? Well, I them? think that like it's interesting that the, just as a like character note, it's interesting that Malcolm doesn't know that Ellie and Grant are th- an item. Sure. Yeah, because they have not interacted in such a way so far in front of him that he's been able to tell that. Yeah, it's good. So what does that say about a nine and two in relationship or or these two? Yeah, and there's they clearly have a really professional relationship and they Mm -hmm. engage in professional ways in front of other people. Um, I know that like like I'm not a particularly PDA kind of person yeah. in public because I don't want to draw attention to myself. And this is him in like the, for Grant, I think this is him in a professional setting and he's not going to behave that way in this setting because it's inappropriate and because he doesn't want to draw attention to it. That makes sense. Yeah. Is it, it's nobody's business. Yeah. This is mine and I will hold it over here mm-hmm. and there's no reason I don't know. So on the public displays of affection side, is it a conscious choice to say this is for a different space or is it a, I don't feel, I understand the two locations I'm in. Here's business and here's my private life. Is there a distinction in mind or is it just that he's not very affectionate? It could just be that he's not very affectionate. Um, like, like in the opening scene, he's touching her butt as they're walking down the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like for me, it's it has a lot to do with who's around because I don't want to make other people uncomfortable and I want that intimacy to yeah. be between the two of us. Yeah. Like that is for us, that is not for other people and I don't need to share that with anyone else. Yeah. Public so. displays of affection can make other people feel uncomfortable. Right. Would, I, would you be aware of that? Like you don't want to oh, make yeah, I'm hyper other aware people... Of it. Feeling yeah. comfortable? There you go. Yep. Come on. So cuts back to the control room with Ray Arnold. Arnold goes over to Nedry's station, starts, you know, pushing aside all the cups and trash that's all over his desk, and he calls him a slob because we have typed Arnold as a one, and maybe right. because of this scene. Right. Um, yep. And Muldoon, the six, says, The Raptor fences aren't out, are they? No, no, they're still on. Why the hell would he turn the other ones off? And it shows Nedry fleeing, and he hits us. This is the part where he hits the sign with his car. Right. And apparently he doesn't remember the way. And Fool. these uh. are all lots of mo- motion here. It gets real yeah. quick. Yep. They know what's up in the control room. Nedry yeah. has only a few minutes. Um, what do you see with these all these characters? Well, like, like, uh. Arnold is clearly trying to, like, he's reacting to the situation and he's trying to figure out what needs to be done to fix it. Yep. Uh, Muldoon is deeply concerned about the scariest thing on the island. <laughs> That's right. Just his, his radar just goes bing. Yep. And Hammond <laughs> is now, like, disconnected from the actual danger and trying, like, he's, he's like, why is this happening? Why is my park failing? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's super interesting to me. And, like, the fact that, that Nedry 
just like he's he's so short sighted that he does not have a map in hand. Like he's he has not. I talked about this before. He has not prepared at all for the possibility that he needs to postpone his plan because the timing is wrong. Like he's so self-focused yeah, that he's just like, I'm doing the thing that I planned no matter what, Mm. even though like he has no idea where he's going. That's good. Cause I had initially typed it. Well, um, I had typed Nedry as a two partially for this scene. Cause I thought he was thinking repressed. Mm. He, he's just not thinking in those ways. But I like that he's so self-focused mm-hmm. that he's not able to get a, uh, just some of these details in mind. Yeah. Well, and there's there's also an element of like, like doing repressed is not always necessarily not taking action. It's often not taking correct action. Yeah. And so like like he has a plan in motion and he starts with that plan and just goes along with the momentum of it when like the right thing to do in order for his own success would have possibly been to stop. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Well, after he hits the sign, it cuts back to the control room and this is where the Nedry pops up. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. You didn't say the magic word. And Arnold... Uh, uh, uh. Loses uh, it. Uh, uh. <laughs> Please! Damn it! Hate this hacker crap! Uh, uh, uh. This is this was the moment that, that made me lean lean towards one for Arnold. Oh, okay. Because Tell me why. he doesn't get furious. He like like he doesn't bust out with rage. Like his his reaction is like, I am going to do what you expect me to do. Mm. Yep. Like the the Nedry cartoon is saying you didn't say the magic word, and his response is please like i'll give you what you want (laughs) Um, hammond uh then pipes in again kind of pushing the pace and asks where the vehicle stopped and we cut to the back to in front of the tyrannosaur cages malcolm here's here's the he's aware of Mm -hmm. other human beings kids okay i didn't ask why wouldn't they be Kids get scared. What's to be scared about? Just a little hiccup in the power. Yeah, I didn't say I was scared. I didn't say you were scared. I know. And there, there's a tension there. Yeah. I'm super curious what you think about this. This was again one of those places where I thought Grant was just aware of his judgmentalism, but I imagine there's also potential conflict there. Yeah. Well, and it's also there's a um, awareness of the way that it's like what's actually happening, I think. So like like Malcolm is asking about the kids and and Grant, like he's disconnected from thinking about the kids, but he is hyper aware of what's going on with Malcolm. So like Grant says, what's to be scared about? It's just a little hook up at the power. And Malcolm says, I didn't say I was scared. And Grant says, I didn't say you were scared. Right. Which like implies that Malcolm is scared and yes. Grant knows that and he's calling him out on it. Yes. It's also the case that Malcolm doesn't want to appear right. scared in front yeah. of this other professional uh-huh. doctor. Yep. And then there's the sound of a footstep. Shaky mirror, water glass thumps. Lex looks over. Where's the goat? Goat leg <laughs> lands on top of the sunroof. T-Rex fingers are apparently checking the fence, and the fence is not 
electrified, and we're going. And Gennaro sees what's up, and he runs out of the car. And Lex realizes this is bad and starts saying, He left us. He left us. Grant looks at Gennaro running and says, Where does he think he's going? When you gotta go, you gotta go. And the wires start snapping. Yeah. It is a great joke in the midst of this horror scene. Yeah. And then you see the T-Rex. This is not a uh, CGI T-Rex. They built a full-size animatronic T-Rex uh, for a lot of these scenes. There's some scenes that Why are... it works. But, yeah. But yeah. they do a lot of stuff with that machine. Apparently, yeah. by the way, so it's you'll know this, it's raining in this scene, right? Yeah. Well, that was a last minute decision. And sure. they didn't they didn't build this thing to uh withstand to water. To be waterproof. Yeah, of course. Apparently it was a sponge and just uh, took in all the water. Yikes. And so it like weighed 10 times as much or something cuz the yeah. water got sucked into it. And yeah. so it was having problems with the mechanics and <laughs> Of course. Awesome. And this is Get where some armor on that. Now I'm curious about this line. Malcolm sees the Tyrannosaur. Boy, do I hate being right all the time. Why does a three say that? Because it is an excellent appearance of false humility. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Because you're supposed to say something like that in that kind of situation. Like, like he loves being right all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he's not supposed to say that he loves it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he has to point out the fact that he is right because it's all about appearance. He needs the attention, but he also doesn't want to say I'm right all the time Yeah, because you're not supposed to say that. It's just false humility. That's funny. Yeah. Well, the T-Rex roars. Keep absolutely still. Based on movement. And then you see the kids in the car in front of them going nuts, trying to yep. find flashlights. Uh, <laughs> Dinosaur raises its head. Children. <laughs> they start scrap, you know, uh, tossing the the flashlight back and forth. This is where the dinosaur roars, and then he breaks through the roof. And fun fact I saw on my half-ass internet research is that this was uh, not supposed to happen. It was supposed to thump, oh, but the, yeah. the roof came in from the weight of the Tyrannosaur. Oh, man. And those actually kids were those terrified. Kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> they were actually terrified. Oh, man. So, so Grant is watching this. Malcolm is watching this. They are The kids are screaming. It starts pushing the car over. By the way, this dinosaur roar is one of the better sound effects ever. It's so good. A crocodile, lion, and a baby elephant. Yep. Combining to make this yep. sound. It's it's spectacular. The what a great sound effect. Tests <laughs> surround sound systems across the world for years uh-huh. to come. <laughs> yep. Yep. This is, after that big roar, this is the hero moment. The gunslinger steps out of the car, and he's got he's got his weapon of choice in hand and it is grant and it's a flare and he lights it and he gets the Tyrannosaurus attention and he does everything absolutely perfectly. 
Uh-huh. And then Mr. Hero from behind steps out of the car with another flare. Uh-huh. And Malcolm <laughs> gets the, the you know, Malcolm starts yelling. And Grant's like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. And Malcolm yells, you should get the kids. And he starts, you know, this is where Mr. Chaos Theory comes in. It's like he... The, everything was working fine till 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 he entered the space. Yeah. Malcolm starts running with the Tyrannosaur running behind him, runs into the outhouse. The Tyrannosaur hits the, the walls. They all come down. And then there is Donald Gennaro on the toilet looking up at a dinosaur. And this is this is one of the great death scenes it's ever. So good. I love it. <laughs> Uh, Go perfect. Goes goes out dying on the toilet just like Elvis. What an idiot! <laughs> I was listening to a podcast where somebody was recounting their experience of this. They had gone to mm-hmm. the opening. It was, it was a famous person, and he remembered sitting in the audience and from behind the person who apparently was involved in Hollywood saw this scene of the Tyrannosaur eating the lawyer, and he shouted out. How the hell did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, any word on how these three types handle high stress situations? There's two threes and a nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the one three running away is super interesting because he's uh, only concerned with himself. He's protecting himself. Uh, he doesn't want to be a hero. Uh, he just runs away. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like there's, um, when threes go to stress, when threes are in stressful situations, they go to nine Yep. and they just sort of check out. And this is like the ultimate checking out. Like he is not going to be part of this anymore. He's going mm-hmm. to go hide in the bushes. Yep. Yeah. Just want everything to be all right. Just want. Yeah. What is Malcolm doing on that front? Well, uh, I I want to talk about Grant first because okay. I think that that Grant, like like he is doing everything correct because he is an expert in his field, except for the fact that now somebody has to save the kids. Yeah. So he does. He steps into the place of right action, and like like this is a heroic moment for him because he could die yeah. from this. Um, but he is the one who knows exactly what to do. And so he steps into that place and does the incredibly difficult heroic thing. And like, like that is to me, that is a reflection of this, this right action idea, which is one of the, the virtues for nine. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then the three comes along, comes in and he, clearly does not know what he's doing and is just jumping in to help. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like this is, this is a feature of threes is that they just do. Yeah. They just jump in and they get things done. They like, they're, they're going to do the things they're, they're going to, it's often the case that they'll cut corners. They'll like, they're constantly moving because they just need to get the things done. And so here he has an opportunity to act, to do something, which is his natural state of being anyway. And so he just jumps out and he does. Yeah. He's following the lead from the, from the other guy. And he's just like, okay, we're going to save these kids. Let's do it. Mm. Except that he doesn't know what he's doing, which is like, it's hilarious to me that this happens immediately after he says, 
I hate being right all the time. And then here he is <laughs> doing the wrong thing. Sure. <laughs> sure. That's right. I heard that Jeff Goldblum said, I need, we need to do something with this character in this scene. Cause apparently nothing was happening. And he's like, I know we'll have him step in and try and draw the Tyrannosaur. Yep. Yeah, and absolutely. So Jeff Goldblum saying my character needs more attention here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is mm-hmm. the thing? I yeah. thought it was funny. The yeah. we, heroism I want to talk about Grant for a second longer on this. We've talked about this a handful of times together. I don't know if we've done it on the podcast, but there's something about stressful situations and going to the high side of your stress number Uh that actually is a place where heroism can come forth. It's not necessarily in your security number. The hero who is in a moment of stress but engages their stress number at a high level I, I see that this could be the case. A nine going to six, the 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 faithfulness to the children here. Mm-hmm. Um, the I don't know if you see anything there. I was I was hoping that well, there the, might be an angle there. Yeah, uh, the faithfulness to the children. The um, what's what's the best move for the entire group? Um, the the self sacrifice kind of nature of sixes, um, which is like like my safety doesn't matter. What is the best for the whole group? Yeah, um, and the um, like just doing what needs to be done, and it the rest of it doesn't matter. We're just going to do what needs to be done. Is that what you experience when you're at your best in stressful situations? Is that what kicks in? Uh. It's, it's super rare. Yeah, I don't find myself in situations where I need to be heroic very often. <laughs> you're, you're not staring down a tyrannosaur, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I do see that that concept coming out. Like, yeah. I, like this makes sense to me. Mm. To like in in a situation like that is like, like I would, the the comfortable thing would be to do the thing that's safe which is not move. Right. And like somebody has to save those children. Yeah. So I get that. And that's why he's a hero here. Yep. And that's good. If you like understand uh, motivations and see that in this character, it's, that's praiseworthy. Yep. Um, Absolutely. So uh, Tim and Lex are trapped in the car. The T-Rex, after eating the lawyer, and Malcolm gets knocked out by, he gets hit in the head or something by the the walls coming down on the outhouse. And the T-Rex goes back to the car, and this is where the foot tramps down. And uh, Grant's trying to get both the kids out, and Lex looks up, and she just unleashes this scream. Mm -hmm. Grant turns around, clamps her, Mouth closed. Don't move. Can't see us if we don't move. And this is where the T-Rex starts hitting the car. Car goes over the edge. Grant and Lex are swinging from a cable. The car goes over the edge and uh, and falls. T-Rex roars. This is... Apparently, this girl won the job of uh, this character, the the, the actress sure. who plays Lex, just based uh-huh. on screams. Sure. <laughs> they were just this testing screams. Scream. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then that I I love that they end this. This is just good movie making. But this is the last time you see the T Rex before the end. Well, no, I take that back. He eats 
he eats a, a a dinosaur in the middle of a field at some point, doesn't he? We see we see her two more times. Yeah, the T Rex is always strong. The T Rex is always the boss. This is yeah. why Jurassic World. The only reason the ending of Jurassic World works at all. You have said. Did you see Jurassic World by chance? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember this? With like, her, like, like the the T Rex roar on the island while they're riding away from it. The yeah the um, in order to save the day, they have to bring this character back. The character is you know the the original T Rex comes out of the cage to fight the new bad guy as it right. were <laughs> that's how bad that movie was <laughs> it's like yeah. it's just like what do we do they made we, up a dinosaur so we, we need yeah. uh we need the tyrannosaurus but the the that's why this the this dinosaur eats the lawyer and is, is kind of the hero of this movie you don't realize it perhaps until the end because it has so much power the t-rex is boss though and roars and there's a cut Cuts to the yep. control room. Arnold says there's a command that's shut down the system. It's hidden in this list of codes. Sadler. How many lines of code are there? About two million. Two million. Yeah. Hammond looks at Muldoon and says, Robert, I, I wonder if perhaps you would be good enough to take a gas jeep and bring back my grandchildren. Muldoon, the loyalist. Sure. Sadler, the two. I'm going with him. And Arnold looks at Hammond, and it's again bad news, bad news, bad news for for John Hammond. John, I can't get Jurassic Park back online without Dennis Nedry. Thoughts on this scene, aside from what I just said? <laughs> yeah, I think they like like all fairly straightforward. Like it's 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 movement within the film, but it's all very character based. Yeah. Um, of course, Ellie would be going with him. Of course, Muldoon would say, "Yep, I'm going." Uh, of course, Hammond would be like fairly casual about. Would you take a jeep and go get my grandchildren? Like they're at the grocery store. Tell, oh, of course he would. I see. Yeah, he's yeah. downplaying the the seriousness of the situation. Right. Right. Yeah. Because he needs to reframe it. Funny. That's good. Cuts to Dennis Nedry. Nedry uh, crashes again. Gets out of the jeep. Pulls out the winch. Um, at this point in time, you know he's not going to make his deadline. Uh, trips, falls, loses his glasses, and then the Dilophosaurus comes. Go fetch. I love the Dilophosaurus. This is such a great, funny scene and, like, like a really satisfying way for him to, like, good that he did not get a satisfying death. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, that he didn't get eaten by a Tyrannosaurus. Like he gets killed by a Dilophosaurus. <laughs> it's one of those fan neck, like smaller <laughs> than he is. That thing he is, is terrifying, though. Do you know the <laughs> sound? This is again the sound effect. I read this uh, of this when the when the neck flaps come out. The sound that's made is the sound of a hawk, a howler monkey, and a rattlesnake. Excellent. And I I think the rattlesnake is what gets me. I'm terrified of snakes. Sure. The, sure. the 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 buzzing of the rattle. Just gives this dinosaur that extra measure of terror and the venom yeah. shooting out of his face. One thing I didn't realize until, you know, I, again, we watched this like three or four times in prep. But uh, Grant has the flare and, and throws it 
and the Tronosaurus is essentially playing fetch. It's going yeah. after it. Nedry yeah. does the same thing. Yeah, look, 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 stick, look, stick, stick, stupid. Fetch a stick, boy. Look, 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 stick. Yes. You like a stick? You like it. And the wonder you're extinct. Yeah. And it's it's this great juxtaposition of somebody who knows what the hell's going on yep. and somebody that doesn't. <laughs> yep. Somebody who's very aware of the actual danger and somebody who thinks they're puppies. That's it. It's a Idiot. diminishment. Is it what what's going on there with a four in a, you know, in a adolescent juvenile kind of mindset? Well, I think this also speaks to his total self-focus. Yeah. Is that he does not consider that something else might be smarter than him. There it is. Yep. We'll we'll talk about this again when we get to another very classic villain later on in our in one of our deep dives. So. Yeah. Come on. Villains are coming up. Uh Venom hits him in the face, he starts screaming, gets in the car. Classic horror scene, you know, of uh the guy in the car looking over and whoever the murderer is, you know, being He's already there. in the car. Yeah. It's in the car. <laughs> it's in the yeah. car. So good. And then the shot from outside with the car, you know, moving back and forth and yep. Nedry Perfect. just screaming. Terrifying. It's a good death scene. Uh, cut back to Grant um, yelling for Tim in the car. We talked a lot about this in our typing deep dive, which is on Patreon. But uh, two things happen in this scene that are are just fantastic for typing all these characters and seeing where their heart is in this moment of stress. Mm-hmm. Lex looks at Grant and says to him, He lives! He lives! And Grant looks at her very directly. But that's not what I'm going to do. And there's like this full transition to hero here. Mm-hmm. This character hasn't shown up in this movie until those two scenes. Right. Um, what, what has happened for this character? The nine through, throughout up to this moment. Well, I think that, um, so they're painting a picture of the guy who doesn't really like kids. And this is the moment where he has to take care of kids because it's, it's like, he's the only one who can and blah, 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 all of that mo- movie storytelling. Great. Uh, but also like the, this character is, I, I keep coming back to this right action idea mm-hmm. and the nines are, uh, we're very, pun unintended moved by the idea of inertia and momentum Mm -hmm. so once you start going it's a lot easier to keep going yeah and so like like here he is like he finally steps out of the car and he's waving the the flare and it's like everything from there on is just like we're just gonna keep doing whatever needs to be done to get these kids safely home Mm mm-hmm and like that is part of what right action is about. Is like once you start doing the thing that needs to get done, it's way easier to keep doing it. Mm. So another thing like that's that. in type here is I think the Lex character, and this is why I thought she was an eight, is mm. she doesn't want to be betrayed. And that that lawyer was an adult in her life who left her yeah. for dead. And yep. she she can't get over that. And she's very um, outspoken about the fact that she was betrayed. Yeah. 
I think our, our typing of the kids is mainly based around this. Yeah. These two this scenes, scenes back to back. Yeah. So the grant's going to then climb up into the tree. He's going to see Tim. Tim looks at him and says, let's throw up. Grant says, oh, it's okay. Just give me a hand. And that actually is. Those two lines say a whole lot about their type. We're typing Tim as a one and Grant as a nine. And yeah. notice, no, t- talk about how that, that just that brief interaction plays out. Yeah, well, like, like Tim, who just got attacked by a Tyrannosaurus Rex, who <laughs> pushed the Jeep off a cliff while Tim was in it. And like he's still hiding in the Jeep. And the first thing he says is, I threw up. It's like like he he know like th- this is a moment where it's it's almost like he knows that he did the wrong thing, and he's he's not gonna hide it, but like it it's almost like that one sort of shame of like like I'm gonna get in trouble for this, yeah. but I have to fess up to it. It's a it's a I'm confessing so that I can get this out of my system. Everybody knows I messed up in this this way. Right. You're not right. supposed to throw up in the car, apparently. <laughs> right, yeah. And I will deal with my punishment. Grant because on, I did the wrong thing. Grant on the and other then, side, as a nine, is going to come in and say, that's okay. It's it's yeah, fine. It's okay. Why don't it you, doesn't matter. Give me, give me your okay. hand, we're going to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. That's when the car and, moves. And, and like, speak, like, this is one of the great things about that dynamic between nines and ones. Like, ones beat themselves up for things. And nines are able to come in and say, you know what? It's okay. It doesn't matter. Yes. I know that happened, and it just doesn't matter. It's okay. Ones, you need a healthy person in your life to counteract the constant critic in your head. Get a Dr. Grant. Get a, <laughs> you need to get yourself <laughs> a Dr. Grant. <laughs> uh, they get out of the car. The car then moves. The car starts plummeting from the tree. They're climbing down. Grant is yelling, go, go, go. Uh, the Jeep falls on top of them. Uh, after they're at the base, and, and Tim says, Well, we're back in the car again. Oh. It cuts to the road in front of the Tyrannosaur cage. Muldoon and Ellie get out. Apparently, this is a few minutes later, because they look down, and, and she says, Where's the car? Um, Muldoon <laughs> says, I think this was Gennaro. And Sadler looks down. I think this was, too. So apparently, Gennaro's been ripped in half. Um, yeah. Which, okay, there's a real difference between the cartoon violence going on here, which it is yes. meant, it's played for laughs yep. that the Tyrannosaur yep. eats the lawyer. Yep. Yep. But there's something Those two terrifying. people have never seen parts of a dead body before. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> if they had, they would have sold it differently. <laughs> I understand why they sold it this way. Right. But if they had actually seen a dead body they would not have sold it that way. <laughs> in perfect no. storytelling uh, move here is that then they hear Malcolm grunt and they hear the T-Rex. And, and so there's, there's this, uh, what do you call it? There's a, there's tension that's built. The T-Rex is coming back. And then Malcolm says, remind me to thank John for a lovely weekend. <laughs> as Perfect. as they're lifting him yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. And this sets up one of the great 
car chases ever. I don't know yeah. that I would have thought about this. They don't sure. apparently go over 40 miles an hour, right? But in this scene, uh, Malcolm is laid out in the back of the Jeep. Apparently, Muldoon and Ellie go looking for Grant again. Um, he feels the thumps again, looks down mm. at the footprint and sees the, you know, the, the ripples. And then Ellie and Muldoon, uh, come up, they, they're running, they're getting in the car and, and Malcolm's saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. We've got to get out of here. Got to get out of here now, now. And then the Tyrannosaur comes smashing through out of the jungle, um, bursts onto the road and and this 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 car chase is just fantastic. And and who doesn't look at you know their side view mirror from time to time and look at the words you know what is it a uh, objects and mirror yeah. appear closer than they actually are. Yeah. <laughs> who doesn't look at that and think you know what Tyrannosaur? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see those words, Tyrannosaur. Yeah. <laughs> they finally speed away, and Malcolm says, I "Think I'll have that on the tour." And I don't know that there's anything to do with typing here, but there's lots of three deflection. Oh, uh, like yeah. Talk deflection about that. And, and, and sort of like like spinning positive the situation like like he got knocked out and he could have been killed by Tyrannosaurus Rex. And one of the other guys is dead in pieces in front of him. And uh, like, who knows where Grant and the kids are? And the thing he says is remind me to talk <laughs> to thank John for a lovely weekend. Talk about this with the difference between threes and eights, where mm-hmm. eights want to appear strong, yeah, or be strong. Threes want to appear successful, but some in my head those kind of go together. But it's different here. Yeah, uh, threes are going to be sarcastic in this kind of way, like in a putting on airs kind of way. Eights are going to be sarcastic in a you were so stupid kind of way. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, sort of like like putting themselves above others. Yes. Yeah. Where threes, it's about the show. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, Cuts back to the park. Uh, Lex Grant, Tim, they climb up the tree. This is where they're trying to find a place that will be safe for them to sleep for the night. And then the large dinosaurs emerge um, and, uh, Lex starts telling the others, Shh, shh, don't the monsters come over here? They're not monsters, Lex, they're just animals. These are herbivores. And of course, Lex is a vegetarian, and Tim yeah. says, That means they only eat vegetables, but for you, I think they make yeah. an exception. And Lex asks Grant, What are you and Ellie gonna do now if you don't have to pick up dinosaur bones anymore? I don't know, I guess. I guess we'll just have to evolve, too. I like, I like that little, that's a nice little interaction between the two. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you see there? And in, in an interesting way to like, it, it, it poses and sort of answers a philosophical question that exists outside of the terror of their situation. Mm-hmm. Like if, if dinosaurs came back, like if, if this were to actually happen, one of the real questions that we would have to deal with as a society is what do we what do we do now that we don't have to dig up fossils anymore? Yeah. And and one of the answers is we'll have to evolve too. Like like this will change everything. And it's a really interesting like like this philosophically yeah, on the meta deals level. with yeah. Like everything changes now. Yeah. 
That's good. And that gets symbolized. Um, they start, this is where they start telling the blind dinosaur jokes. Of, mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, Lex asks, What if the dinosaurs come back while we're all asleep? Well, I'll stay awake. All night? All night. And uh, it clearly he will not betray her. He's not going to leave her. And there's real, there's supposed to be an emotional connection here. But this is right. where another very interesting move happens. Grant has that claw from the um, raptor that he's carried, mm-hmm. I assume, for many, many years. He pulls it out right. of his pocket and throws it to the ground. Um, thoughts on the claw? Does that just illustrate the earlier claim that we're going to have to evolve to? Or is this actually a... I've become a different person in in the events that have just happened kind of thing. That that's kind of what it is to me like like the the two times that we see the claw and when like in prominent moments is one when he's threatening a child. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And two when he's protecting a child. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. They've... And so like the 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 shedding of the old character, like the type of person who would use because, like, why would you carry that claw except to tell people about how dangerous velociraptors are? <laughs> sure. And what to um, justify your field of expertise to sure. is there a power thing there where I'm I'm protective of my field of study and what I do. And so I'm going to show you why it's important. Sure. Could be could be like representative of like like he knows so much about velociraptors and like like he carries this talisman of that experience of that the the years that he spent on that and mm-hmm. and now dinosaurs are real and it, that person doesn't exist anymore yep yeah so well they go to sleep and we cut to your favorite scene in the oh. movie so good. Ellie comes Such in. Such a good scene. So interesting lighting choices here. Ellie comes yeah. into this restaurant. John Hammond is illuminated and nothing else is. When Ellie yeah. sits down, she's actually in the dark. And so there's yeah. a there's kind of this spotlight on on John, and he's a seven and he's eating ice cream. But there's not just one scoop of ice cream. In this scene, there are five buckets on that table. All the ice cream. <laughs> he's gotten all of the ice cream out. All, and he's, he's just sitting on the table. <laughs> going through it. Um, and he says... That'll be fine. Who better to get the children through Jurassic Park than a dinosaur expert? Just spot on in terms of Enneagram. Perfect. Uh, yep. You were a seven. Yeah. And yeah. there is a huge problem. Yep. And... How do you handle the problem? Sit and eat ice cream and wait for somebody else to solve it. It's fine. And it's, it's just, it's all going to be fine. Spending yep. it, spending it positive. And I love that, like, of all of the things in his gourmet kitchen that are going bad, the one thing that he chooses to have right now is all <laughs> of the ice cream. It's true. There's probably <laughs> some meat in there. There's yeah. a cheese platter yeah, like that might Everything spoil. is going badly, and he's sitting there eating ice cream. <laughs> It's true. What a jerk. <laughs> so now you're going to get some background. He apparently had a Kenya. He's told us that he has that uh, animal preserve in Kenya. But here he says, you know, the first 
attraction I ever built when I came down from Scotland. It's a flea circus, Petticoat Lane. They all move, motorised, of course, but uh, people would say they could see the fleas. Oh, I can see the fleas, Mummy, can't you see the fleas? This is him unveiling something deep in his heart. Yeah. But with this place, I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion, something that was real, something that they could see and touch. And then he says... I mean, not devoid of merit. Yeah. What do you see there? Uh, well, he's like just classic. Like, this is such good seven behavior. Like, he so wants to tell a story. He, he wants to entertain people so much that he created a flea circus. And now, like, now he's he's grown so far beyond that that he can give them something real. He wants it to be real, but he doesn't... He still is missing the fact that, like, the thing that he's doing is telling them a story. Mm-hmm. It's not just... And what's great here, it's, it's a, again, kind of meta. He's He wants to tell a story through the fleas, and he is also... A captivating character right yeah, now. Absolutely. As he, so charming. As he's telling this story about police circus. Yeah. She, Ellie says something, and again, this just is cutting. But you can't think through this one, John. You have to feel it. Talk about Sevens, their intelligence center, mm-hmm. and their repressed center with that line. Well, I want to, I like, in order to get there, I want to, like, really hit on his last line, an aim not yeah. devoid of merit. Yeah. Do because it. he's trying to justify his actions while the world around him is burning. Yeah. And, like, he's he's completely disconnected from the effects of his behavior, from the way that other people are impacted by what he's doing, and from, the hit, like, so sevens, eights, and threes are all repressed in their feeling center. And so they don't understand how their behavior impacts other people. And here he is sitting here eating ice cream while the world is burning, and he... <laughs> is justifying his behavior because like it was, it was at least for a good reason. Yeah. Is that an escape from pain kind of thing? Yeah. If I can, if I can enter that space where I'm justified, then I won't experience the difficulty. Right. It's, it's, it's refusing to acknowledge the hard side. Yeah. Yeah. Of what you have done. Yeah. You can't think through this one. That's his intelligence center. He's uh, five sixes and sevens taking the world through their head. Yep. She is inviting him into her center. She's a two. Mm -hmm. You have to feel this. Yeah. But he's feeling repressed. Right. And that is a movement of growth for that character, yeah? It should be. (laughs) <laughs> it should be, because notice what he says. You're right. You're absolutely right. Hiring Nedry was a mistake. That's obvious. She hasn't brought up Nedry. We're over-dependent on automation. I can see that now. Now the next time, everything's correctable. Spin it forward. He's already scheming. He's, he's already he's scheming right. for the next time. That's right. It's, it's a scheme. Yeah. Ellie calls You're him right. out. You're right. I do have to feel this. We'll, we'll do better next time. <laughs> That's that's it. There's no feeling involved at all in that comment. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. uh, 
Ellie calls him and out. Also, like hiring but, Nedry was a mistake. Yes, hiring Nedry was a mistake. But also, maybe you could be taking care of Nedry, like develop the relationship with Nedry. <laughs> like, there's so many elements to what you're talking about. Yes, it's just silly. It's all somebody else's fault on that yep. front. Yep. He had done his due diligence. He was. He has this this wonderful, grand ambition that's not devoid of merit. Right. It's still the flea circus. It's all an illusion. Does that cut him? He doesn't hear it. He says, but one, yeah, that's exactly right. Because he, yeah. he goes back to his original argument. And he says, once we have control again, this is another interesting line from a two. Notice where she goes in this moment. Mm-hmm. She says, you never had control. That's the illusion. I was overwhelmed by the power of this place. But I made a mistake, too. I didn't have enough respect for that power, and it's out now. The only thing that matters now are the people we love. John, they're out there where people are dying. And there is a long pause. What do you hear there? Uh, I mean, there's, like, she's trying to draw back to, like, everything else doesn't matter. There are people that need to be taken care of. Yeah. And all of your other stuff, it, like... Like, your park doesn't matter because people we care about are dying. Her heart center comes out there. Yeah. The the two yeah. comes out just boldly there for me. It's like, she knows what's really important. It's other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's also the case and that... The, this is also... So, uh, sevens, nine, sevens, and twos all solve problems by uh, with the positive outlook. Mm-hmm. So, this is a very two-ish version of that positive outlook is like, like we're not going to solve the problem of the park. We're ignoring the problem of the park. Oh, sure. Because there are people that need us. Yeah. Like, this is a really healthy version of solving solving the problem with positive outlook, is we are not, we're, it's, she's ignoring the problem that he's talking about. Yeah. Because of the people that matter. Yeah. So. That's good. Talk about her focus on control. Mm-hmm. He's talking about control with Nedry, and she wants to say, you've never had control. This is obviously a huge part of the entire movie, you right. know, chaos theory and the rest. Mm-hmm. But a two going to eight in stress, I assume this is a stressful situation sure. for her, yeah. would actually be a move towards towards control, yeah? Sure, Yeah. Is that another high side of eight kind of thing of understanding there's, I don't have control, you know? Well, and, and being able to point it out. Yeah. So like, like using (laughs) that position of power to, to like, like to put him in his place to protect the vulnerable. Is it the case? Okay. That's good. Cause I was thinking, yeah. She's asserting control, telling him that there is no control. Right, right, right. That's whatever you're talking about is an illusion, you fool. That's it. But that is like this. This is a moment where she's sort of stepping in and taking charge. Yeah, but that's it. That's exactly it. She's taking charge. That's good. Um, And then she pivots, grabs a scoop of ice cream. That's good. I have no expense. What's that line mean? He says it a half dozen times. 
I think this moment is a recognition that they're starting to come to their their correct places. So Talk like about their correct like, places, yeah. So she she meets him, like she just yelled at him like he was a child. Uh huh. And he literally owns the island that she's on. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 she's like 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 this is her sort of trying to throw him a bone. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then and then him doing his seven thing, but like his particular tone, like props to Richard Attenborough, his particular tone is just like like he brings up the mantra that he's been saying the whole time. Yep. But it has a sort of sardonic bent to it now. Yep. It's like good. Yep, you're right. I spared no expense. What a waste. Great screenwriting. Great yep. acting. Yep. There. Okay, so they cut to the park in the morning. The kids wake up, then they have that interaction with uh, the dinosaur sneezing and them feeding it. They get up, they go to the ground, they talk about how Lex is a computer hacker, which might come in handy later, and then they discover some hatched eggs. You know what this is? It's a dinosaur egg. The dinosaurs are breeding. But my grandpa said all the dinosaurs were girls. Amphibian DNA. This is very quick um, Sherlock yeah. Holmes process here. <laughs> Some West African frogs have been known to spontaneously change sex from male to female in a single sex environment. Malcolm was right. Life found a way. This is my least favorite scene in the movie, mm-hmm. but it might be illustrating the point of the movie. Well, and like without this scene, you don't have. Yeah, it. I. I think this. To me, this scene is like fairly choppy. Yeah, it's like like they're coming in and explaining it in a like they're spoon feeding it to us in really like show don't tell guys come yeah. on. <laughs> but also, I we don't understand the kind of science that would lead to this. Yeah. So like like it is really, really important to acknowledge that, like, not only is it the case that Nedry screwed everything up, but they don't have control over this situation in the first place. Oh, there you go. The control that we just spoke about is right. being illustrated here. Right. On yeah. the other side of the cut. Ooh, that's yeah. good. And and we see it it peeking out in little places. So like, like they're on this tour to see all the dinosaurs and they come to the Dilophosaur fields and there's no Dilophosaur there. Mm -hmm. They come to the T-Rex paddock and they even sacrifice a goat to him. Mm -hmm. But the T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. (laughs) It wants to hunt. Like, like we see this over and over again is like, they have this show planned, but they don't have control over these animals. about that are the dinosaurs a deity here they're sacrificing a goat because i actually think that that language works it works but (laughs) it was more for a joke than (laughs) an actual point so no but i that's that's spot on the control is gonna i didn't think about this the in this so i'm i'm reading in part from the original script which was online but they the space that hammond and arnold and Muldoon are in is routinely called the control room. Right. And this is entirely what that room is not. 
right. they don't have control, right. which is the point of a lot of the drama there. So they right. cut they cut to the control room at this point. Malcolm is laying sexy in the control room and becomes a meme for the rest of uh, classic. I think I need to I need I wanted to look this up, but I think Malcolm dies in the book. Sure. In that Tyrannosaur attack, because Jeff Goldblum kind of disappears from the movie. Right. You know right. what I mean? I yeah. can't. I can't think yeah, of anything else. He doesn't else really he does. have any other lines. Yeah. Um, and he's maimed. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so they uh, they start talking about eliminating all the dinosaurs by removing an enzyme. They start talking about restarting the whole system. They're trying to problem solve. Arnold apparently doesn't want to restart, uh, reboot all everything. And Hammond yells, "People are dying! Can you please shut down the system." And this is where Sam Jackson finally relents, goes over to the you know the breakers and says. Hold on to your butts. Arnold realizes what's happened when he puts the power back on. He says, well, Maybe the shutdown trip the circuit breakers. All we have to do is turn them back on, reboot a few systems in here, telephones, security doors, a half dozen others, but it worked. System's ready. Where are the breakers? Maintenance here, the other end of the compound. Three minutes, I can have power back on the entire park. Here is Sam Jackson, red shirt, Stepping to the rescue. Everyone knows that things are going to go badly here, I'm sure. Yep. Of course, the circuit breakers are in a completely different building. <laughs> right. Come on, guys. This, why aren't I, there tunnels? They, they weren't clear about why Arnold doesn't want to shut down the system. Oh, I think I... Did you get exactly this? why, Arnold. Yeah. Well, tell me why. Because there's no control. Because we have no idea what's going to happen. <gasps> that's what... Okay, so I think that's actually right. He doesn't know what will uh, occur if you shut down the power. Right. We know what's going to happen after we watch yeah. the movie. What's going to happen is that the raptors are going to get out. Right. So we had, we mentioned this in our Patreon deep dive, but I didn't realize this till the eighth viewing of this movie. They are having this very heated discussion here, and it matters because they're going to go on a, a specific course of shutting down the power. Raptors are going to get out, and they're going to kill half the people who are making this decision. Right. But it does go to that element, again, the, the idea of control coming back in. Right. Yeah. Now, if uh, Sam Jackson's character, if he's a one, you want to talk about ones and control? Well, it, it's about like whatever's the like he wants to do the right thing. He and he wants to not be corrupt and um, like because eights, nines, and ones are all in that that control and autonomy space. Like, like he does not want to be compelled to do the wrong thing either. Yep, he's going to advocate for his position. I do not think this is right. Um, and it has a lot to do with the fact that we have no idea what's going to happen after this. He because, does because nobody's in control right now. Yeah, that's the thing for once. Yeah, if if you do the right thing, you will have the control that you desire. Right. If you're if you're good enough I, at your job, or if you're a good enough person. Yeah, I assume so. You tell me. Well, that's the eight nine one <laughs> pursuit. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Love other. I, I I suppose I'm kind of I'm setting up a question here. I I know what it feels like from the inside. I actually have trouble articulating this side of my own oneness. Of what does it mean for me to earn control? Sure. I don't. 
I want to be, if I, I have a deep desire to want to do things right or else mm-hmm. I'll be real self-critical. Uh, Riso and Hudson really want to point out that ones earn the control that they seek or the autonomy they seek. And I don't want somebody to be my boss. I know what that feels like. And I know what it feels like to want to do my job at a certain level such that I'm able to do the things that I think are best in the world. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily associate that with autonomy or control. Well, it's, it's, um, it's, it's sort of subtle. Like, like for me, it's not necessarily about it. It, it. It's hard to point to autonomy and control for nines as well, but it's all about like everything will go the right way. Like, like the universe is supposed to operate a particular way mm-hmm. and we all get to do whatever we want. So long as we do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel that. So I suppose then yeah. that's coming out in this character. Right. Right. Um, Arnold, by the way, like a one, is going to do this job all by himself. Yep, absolutely. Cuts. I will do the thing that needs to get done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> cut to Grant, Tim, and Lex, and they're walking through the park ground, and this is where the Gallimimus herd comes over the hill. Uh, they come at the crew, and they hear the familiar roar of the Tyrannosaurus, um, they hide. The T-Rex makes the kill. Tim and Grant are staring at this scene in wonder, and they're dissecting it. And the whole time, Lex is saying, I want to go, I want to go now. Uh, yeah. You got any thoughts on that in terms of their types? Um, I, 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 I think it sets up like the relationship between Grant and Tim, like because Grant is a scientist, yep. and Tim is like following in his footsteps. Yep. And Lex is done. Yeah. <laughs> we we need to we need to be done with this now. Let's go home. Yep. This is over. This is not an adventure anymore. But Grant at his heart is a scientist. So, like it's fascinating to study this. There it is. I didn't think about this 891. There's the body triad going through the Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> Cut back to the bunker. Um, Ellie. Something's happened. Something's wrong. It is just a delay. Positive outlook. That's all it is. All major theme parks had delays. When they opened Disneyland in 1956, nothing worked. Yeah, but John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Great. Ellie says, I can't wait anymore. Something went wrong. I'm going to go get the power back on. She's the hero in that group at this moment. Yeah. She has a real strength and is stepping up. Muldoon, the loyalist, gets his gun and says, I'm going with you. Hammond says, but you know, I should really be the one to go. He says this to Ellie, and Ellie says, Why? Well, I'm a, and you're a, And again, one of the great feminist lines in this movie. We can discuss sexism and survival situations when I get back. You just take me through this step by step. I'm on channel two. (laughs) Again, mic drop. (laughs) And this is where we're going. Uh, Any thoughts on that interaction? Uh, Not much. It it all seems pretty straightforward. Like Ellie is now at the point where uh, like there's things that need to be done to save the people that she cares about. And she's going to do the things that need to be done. Yep. Um, and and Hammond is still in this sort of like fairy tale land. Yep. 
Yeah. And like that, I think that even his, his sexism speaks to that is like, like he's still viewing the situation as though like he, he still doesn't see that the world is on fire. Ooh, sure. Yeah. Because like, like he uses a cane, he's like 70 years old. Like, like he is not volunteering for any of the hard jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Come on, old man. Don't, don't, don't be dumb. (laughs) <laughs> but like he's he's still sort of trapped in his own little world. So. Yeah. Yeah. The movement starts moving real quick at this point because there's going to be a whole lot of um scares and fake outs and all the rest. This is where yeah. uh Grant and Tim and Lex they finally come to the big electric fence. Grant says, "I guess the power's off." Grabs the the fence, pretends like it electrocutes him. No music. He just yells. Classic. Um, classic. Lex thinks that's not funny. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> so I heard something great. This like, isn't. Go ahead. This is a great dad joke. Yeah. Oh, it is. Like a that's great. that's what it is. It's it's. This is a dad joke. Like the guy who go. used the yeah. raptor thing to intentionally scare the kid, but in a mean way before, yes. is now dad joking with the kids about the electric fence. What I saw here, and this is another Jaws throwback is mm-hmm. there's a scene in Jaws where the two high schoolers make a fake fin and they yeah. swim up with it and yeah. <laughs> there's no music. So like they earn this, but all the people are terrified and, and then yeah, uh, sure. they, they pull out the shotguns on the kids and then they, yeah. they pop up out of the water and one of them says, you know, it was his fault. He told me to do it, you know, kind of thing. Right. And right. that's this yeah. kind of joke. Sure. Right yeah. before Similar kind of joke, yeah. You let the real monster come in. Oh, perfect. Yep. Cuts back to the bunker. Oh no, actually they start climbing the fence because again you hear the Tyrannosaurus roar. I didn't think about this. The Tyrannosaur roaring ends up moving people a lot in this movie. Yeah. It's like yeah. we need to get them from here to there. To get away from it. Yeah. Yep. And so it's it, yeah, it's a good it's a uh, what is it? It's a narrative device. <clears throat> Uh, at the bunker, Ellie and Muldoon. I keep calling her Ellie because this is what's in the script. In sure. the script, the only character that doesn't go by their last name is Doctor Sadler. The femin- yeah. the the rejection of feminism in the script <laughs> is yeah. here. Um, and the kids, I suppose it's Tim and Lex. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sadler and Muldoon are at the bunker. They look at the huge raptor pen and it's been torn open. And Muldoon knows this is bad. The shutdown must have turned off all the fences. Damn it, even I imagine you better to mess with that raptor fence. And now the raptors are out. And he, he's following the footprints with his eyes. And he says, Come on this way. I can see the shed from here. We can make it if we run. No, we can't. Why not? Because we are being hunted. Again, this is exactly how a six goes. Very aware right. of the situation uh, and yep. potential threats. Yep, scanning scanning the horizon for all of the dangers. Real... Like, he just, he knows. Real aware of himself and real aware of the person who he said he was going to protect on the way there. Yeah. This is an interesting scene. I'm real curious about your thoughts on this. Um, he raises the weapon. Run. 
watershed. I've got her. Is he taking this woman and making her bait? Because he's going to kill a dinosaur? No, I. It, to me, this moment is him, like, it's it's self-sacrifice. Oh, okay. How so? He knows that they can't both make it to the shed. But uh-huh. if he stays and, like, engages with the raptor, yeah. then she might make it to the shed. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's a better way to think about it. That's more heroic than... <laughs> I thought he got <laughs> eaten because he was making... Dr. Sadler bait and it's like we'll make we'll have his end be a down note that he actually makes a moral mistake here and that's why we're going to let him go out the way he does. Uh, to me they've been building towards the raptors are a lot smarter than even he thinks they are. Yeah. He has still spent a lot of time trying to be prepared. Yeah. And it just doesn't matter because the raptors are too smart. Yeah. Which which helps gets us into like like the the joke about them opening the door and then yeah. the like like the next scene is of a raptor opening the door. The, yeah. Like all of the stuff like where you see how smart the raptors are. Yeah. We've been building toward it and like this is the moment where we need we need the audience to understand that like even the guy who knows how smart the raptors are is not prepared for how smart the raptors are. Mm. Anything on uh, types here? The one thing that kind of hit me here is it's a two and a six, and we've talked about two reactive types. The two reactive types are helpers when they get together. It's we need an adventure. We need to go together and help somebody else, and that's exactly Mm -hmm. what they're trying to do. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you guys. Well, the the six like like in the idea of of him being self sacrificial in this moment, it's it's. him doing the work that needs to be done for the good of the group. Yeah. Yeah. I will take care of the Raptors so that you can go turn on the thing because we can't both do it. Yeah. I like that. That makes that scene much more heroic and in my mind and hearing that. So this, they cut back to uh grant Tim and Lex. They're climbing over the fence. You'll uh, know how this works. Um, Sadler has gotten in. She's starts pumping the gray handle, charging up the system, and they keep going back and forth and back and forth. Clearly, the electricity's coming on. It's interesting yeah. here. There's a couple of different monsters, or not monsters, but threats. When mm-hmm. Tim is in the tree and they're running away from the car, they're running yeah. away from a car, not a dinosaur. And here, right. there's a new threat, and it's not a dinosaur. It's electricity. Right. And so there's like right. a variety of fears <laughs> being right. engaged. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is like, like this is part of Michael Crichton-ness and, and also like, like Spielberg crafting a good story. This is not like, this is a monster movie, but it's not a monster movie. It is a horror movie. It's, it's a house of horrors. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like like Crichton writes those kinds of much more complex stories. Yeah. Like it's not just that dinosaurs are going to kill everyone. It's that the whole <laughs> island is a danger. <laughs> the like uh, Everything on the island is going to kill everyone. Spielberg so. 7 comes out in, in these ways. If you will remember, I'm sure you have seen the second Indiana Jones movie. Uh, yeah. which would be one Temple of Doom. His yeah. future wife is Indiana Jones' girlfriend in that movie uh-huh. or the yep. romantic interest. And there's yeah. a scene where they're camping for the night and uh-huh. 
like she goes to reach over and grab something and it's a big bat, like this huge bat and she screams and throws yeah. the bat yeah. up and then she reaches Classic. over and there's a snake and, and yep. then eventually she's going to have to walk through all the bugs yep. <laughs> and she has to eat monkey brains and you know, yeah. all the, it's just what, what can I do? Like he's rubbing uh-huh. his hands thinking, yeah. what, what disgusting thing can I put this person yeah. through? And I was like throwing spaghetti at the wall here. It's <laughs> like everything is a danger. It's everything's great. a danger. Yeah. Um, so we actually are quite scared here. There's tense music and Tim is on the fence and they're doing that countdown. One. Two. And then the electricity hits and he gets pow, you know, shot from the fence and hits the ground and he's not breathing. And again, there's a connecting moment. You're exactly right. Like the dad joke. And then here, dad is going to do CPR because he understands how science works and is, is, you know, the protector. So this is great Spielberg storytelling because you're really concerned with Tim. Yep. Cuts to... Dr. Sadler shouting in triumph that everything's back in business. Yeah. And for the first time in the movie, the raptor comes out through the wall. Finally. This is is such a great scene. It's again a Jaws scene where you didn't see that coming. He's he's chumming off the back of the boat. And then all of a sudden the shark comes up for the first time. And you're you're three quarters of the way through the movie. You still haven't seen the damn shark. (laughs) You know, right, right. She shouts, she falls back, um, and, and then all of a sudden there's this fight, and she's trying to get away, and then Sam Jackson comes to the rescue, and he puts his arm well, around her, <laughs> <laughs> puts his arm around her, and uh, the arm falls off. Scare, 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 scare. But this is um, what she uh, is kicking at the rapture. And it's Laura Dern, action hero. Yep. I don't know that there's anything to say Enneagram-wise here, but... Yeah, nothing for me. Cuts back to the jungle. Tim is unconscious. Grant is performing CPR. Lex is anxious. He comes to... (laughs) Good boy. Good boy. Kid joke. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I think Sam Neill sells this. Yeah. Despite the 10,000 volts, he sells yep. two huge scenes for me. One is seeing the brontosauruses for the first time. And here, I really feel the tension. Yep. Um, cut back to Muldoon. He's going to shoot himself a raptor. He's got this sucker. It's in his sights, but he's cautious. He's a professional, and he knows what he's doing. And he is mm-hmm. sneaking up on her. But of course, because we paid attention to that first scene when Dr. Grant told the little kid how raptors hunt. Yeah. We already know what's going to happen if we were paying attention. And there, and then. Coming from the sides. <laughs> the raptor comes from the side, and Muldoon says, Clever girl. <laughs> it's such a. Like, it's just, it's just classic. Like, it's just. This is such a great moment that sticks with you. I like the yeah. appreciation from one hunter to another hunter. Yep. It's like, yep. it's like you got me on yep. that one. You got me on that yep. one. That was a good yep. one. <laughs> yeah. Last thoughts on Muldoon here? No, I think we've said everything that needs to be said about him. 
T-Rex eats the lawyer. The Dilophosaurus eats the computer geek. They decide to restart the park, and, and Arnold and Muldoon get it from the raptors. Yeah. No, here was something I heard that I thought was fascinating. Nobody knew what raptors were before this movie. I know, seriously, I didn't even know they existed until this movie. But now there's an NBA franchise called the Raptors. Sure, they, yeah. They, the, it's like Amazon stock. It went through the roof all of a sudden. and <laughs> it's like yep. the, the notoriety of Raptors, just right there. Um, moving towards the final confrontation. We cut to the visitor's center. Grant, and Tim, and Lex, they're coming home. Uh, Tim and Lex are starving. They go to the all-you-can-eat buffet, Grant is there looking for Sadler. He doesn't realize anything is problematic right now. Um, great scene here where they're eating the Jello, and you know, and Lex's face. <laughs> she hears something, and the Jello starts quivering in her hand. I, I had said this earlier. This is my favorite scene. There's nothing to say dialogue here, but the sure. they go to the kitchen. The Raptors breathing into the window, mm-hmm. um, jumping up on the table. Apparently yeah. that scene took forever for them to to do the first kind of CGI stuff. And it sure. just holds up so well. Yeah, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, and it's it's got tension. You know, there yeah. there's movement and uh they cut back to uh Grant in front of the compound and looking for for Sadler. She sees him, he sees her, he's running out to yeah. her, and yeah. she looks at him and yells <laughs> And I like this as a two moment. She's not yep, thinking absolutely. about herself. Right. It's not we need to get out of here. It's it's you need to run. Yes. Yeah. Um, they run into the building. John Hammond is now reintroduced. They're getting shotguns. It's just the two raptors, right? You sure the third one's contained? Yes. Unless they figure out how to open doors. And guess what? Spoiler alert. <laughs> they, they figure out how to open doors. <laughs> Cut back to the kitchen. This is actually where the raptors enter the kitchen. They're up on the table, and they're chasing each other. And Tim and Lex get the raptor, at least one of them. Is it one or two of them that they get into the freezer? Uh, one of them in the freezer. Oh, one. The other one got knocked out by the... That's what it is. Uh, like, crash into the thing. Yeah. Yep. Gets gets dinged, and they run out the door. Yeah. Um, So that's when they see... Uh, Grant and Sadler again. And there's kind of this nuclear family element all of a sudden. It's right. like there's mom right. and there's dad and there's, you know, Timmy and, <laughs> and Lex. Yeah. And it's the yeah. nuclear family. So they get into the control room. This is the scene where Lex needs her moment. Yep. They're trying to lock the door. The Raptor's trying to get in. She gets on the computer and she says, It's a unit system. I have no idea what a Unix system is. It's an operating system. It's a, uh, like like Windows is yeah. an operating system. It's a way for you, a human being, to interact with what the computer is capable of doing. Gotcha. Unix is just another version of that. It's just a, a much more like customizable and like like Unix has been around for a very long time, and it's it's designed for people who know how to work computers who know sure. how to code computers that makes windows sense. is designed for everyone else so that was the one part in the movie that seemed like it didn't quite hold up everything else looks like contemporary 
as it were, aside from like some old Macs that are running oh, that, the system. That looks totally contemporary for 1993. <laughs> for, well, I guess I, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, Lex saves the day. They call up Hammond. Mr. Hammond, the phones are working. Call the mainland. Tell them to send the damn helicopters. And then uh, Hammond hears through the phone gunshots and screams. And of course, now we're moving again because somehow the Raptors got in. And so you'll know this and we can kind of move through this. But the movement has them going through the ventilation. It has them climbing down into the main room in the uh, in the compound where there's dinosaur bones hanging from the ceilings and the Raptors are chasing them. And then the hero of the movie arrives. Right. Deus Ex Machina comes in. Gandalf flies in with some eagles. The claw snatches the Toy Story characters out of the furnace. Perfect. Han Solo. Yeah! yeah! And the Tyrannosaur comes in and takes takes out the rafter. This works for me. Beautiful moment. It's so good. I... I I I don't I know this is I know this uh, in my mind that this is Deus Ex Machina and I don't care at all. I yep, I feel like great. I feel like it's earned. It's a great moment, yeah. And it, it like like in the like chaos theory and also like talking about the evolution and nature. Like the T Rex was like from everything that we understand, the T Rex was the king of dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Like the T-Rex was the one that was the most in charge. And we need to see that displayed. Yep. And here we go. This was, uh, I may have said this before, but this was one of the things that they learned real late in the development of this movie. Spielberg realized that the Tyrannosaurus was actually the hero of the movie. And so they didn't have it ending this way. Um, But added they they did all of this very quickly at the end and what's real interesting to me kelly pointed this out is after the tyrannosaur kills the two raptors that banner comes down mm-hmm. and it's almost like a pageant sash image yeah, sure. like i am triumphant i am yeah. the queen i am the yeah. queen of the and and like the full roar is unleashed here <laughs> Fills the visitor center and the sash says when dinosaurs ruled the earth and she yeah. has won. Yeah. Tyrannosaur is just misunderstood through the whole movie. But here. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is earned exclusively from the grant line earlier in the movie that says T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. She wants to hunt. And yeah. if that's true, then I feel like this is, uh, it is from out of nowhere, but it, it's, it feels earned to me. Sure. Uh, want to yeah, type the, like you want to type the Tyrannosaur off the top of your head? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have any dialogue. Can't see her motivations. Yeah. She wants to hunt. She wants to hunt. Last scene of the movie, Hammond squeals to the front of the visitor center in that Jeep. Malcolm is lying in the back. <laughs> Again, doesn't do much here for the second yep. half of the movie. Yeah. Grant jumps into the Jeep, looks at Hammond. Mr. Hammond, after careful consideration, I've decided 
not to endorse your park. <laughs> Which is a, is a yeah. great joke. But Hammond's character arc apparently yeah. is realized here because Hammond turns to him and says, So have I. Yep. Any movement there we're talking about with a seven coming to that spot? Well, I think that like it it took him so long. Like it's so interesting that like we we see it happening over the course of the last part of the film. Like with with Grant, it's almost immediate. Mm-hmm. Like his his turn is so quick, mm-hmm. um, and it's based on him having to step into action. With Hammond, like like Ellie calls him to task, and he makes his his sort of throwaway joke about like spared no expense, and he still hasn't really gotten it when he's trying to tell her that like he should go because he's the man. Yes. And like, like he he's he's getting there, uh-huh. but he he hasn't gotten there yet. And like, this is finally the moment where it's like, I'm there. Yep. I get it now. Um, and and I, like, it's just very interesting that it took so long. And I think that's that is one thing for for sevens to like have to face is that like it they want it to be immediate. They want everything to be in front of them right when they want it. Mm -hmm. And this is part of why like they, their big fears of being stuck, of being boxed in, of not having an opportunity to get the things that they want. And, and here Hammond is having taken so long to get to his growth. And we see that with sevens over and over again, when sevens have significant growth, it's not immediate. Mm-hmm. It's when they sit in something for a very long time, that's where their growth comes from. So, bang, yeah, I like that they played that out with Hammond. His that final phone call, and I kind of blew through it, but I think that has to be the moment where he realizes he has no control. You're sure. on the phone hearing gunshots and your grandkids screaming as dinosaurs are going to rip them apart. And that's the utter loss of control there. And that's a, a turn for him. Um, quick question. Hammond dies in the book. Okay. Do you think he should die, have died in the movie or do you like, uh, these characters getting off the Island together here? Um, I'm not invested enough to have a solid answer to that. <laughs> I think that like storytelling wise, they would have had to deal with Tim and Lex facing their grandfather's death. True. And that would have been just been too hard to do on screen when everything else was happening already. Well, that's it. I like that. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they get to the helicopter. Hammond gets to take a last look at the island in his dream. Grant is sitting with uh, his arms around both kids. Apparently his character arc complete as well. Grant, yep. by the way, in saying, I've decided not to endorse your park, is a fairly outspoken, stepping into conflict, as it were, kind of move. Potential conflict and, and like, like a very, like very direct. Yeah. And but also a very peaceable way of doing it. Yeah, that's a yeah. good way to put it. It's a it's a it's a professional mm-hmm. yep. way of saying yep. this. And yeah, and wrapping up our professional relationship. Yeah, this is the end of it. Oh, there you go. Because he's not endorsing it, which also means he might not get funding. 
Right. Yeah. Movie ends just like Jaws does with the heroes returning home. They're over the ocean and they're surrounded by birds. Mm-hmm. And that ends. Well, and the birds are, are a tie back to like, like how the movie started. With, yeah. With him talking about how dinosaurs evolved yeah. into birds. I guess that's probably more important than the Jaws throwback, but I thought it was kind of <laughs> <But> fun. <laughs> still mirrored, yeah. yeah. Um, that brings us to the end of the movie. Yeah. You got any last thoughts on uh, our adventures in Jurassic Park? Uh, no, I, I, this is, to me, this is one of the great movies. Like, it, it holds up every single time I watch it. It's like, like I... I think it's a well-crafted, it's good storytelling, it's a good script, it's good acting, it's, the CGI is really good for its time, so. Yeah. I like it a lot. Bunch of, uh, I think this holds up and hits us deep in our types at points because the issues of control, mm-hmm. issues of fear. Yeah. Uh, issues of our connection to other people. Yeah. All of them are prominent in this movie. Right. Um, plus dinosaurs. Plus dinosaurs, <laughs> right? Um, well, hey, if, obviously, this is the third of our podcast. So if you got to this point in time, we would love to hear from you if you enjoyed this. Um, we are thinking about doing ensemble pieces. There's there's tons of great ensemble movies that have lots of characters with lots of different motivations. And if this was something that you enjoyed, we'd love to hear from you. So make sure that you reach out to us either on Twitter or Facebook or on Instagram and just tell us uh, what you thought about uh, this deep dive um, as compared to some of the other stuff we were doing with typing. Um, again, if you actually would like more of this, you can go to our Patreon page. We are going to release um, TJ and I's discussion of all the characters and their types when we had kind of our typing throwdown uh, for these characters. Um, anything else before we wrap this up? I got nothing. It would mean the world to us if you take two seconds, give us some stars on uh, the platform, podcast platform of your choice. And uh, the music, as always, is by The Collection and Tim Coons. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are and set the world on fire.